Okay, uh, let's see. Welcome the CD program to services here. Those who may hear this later on. I have four dogs, two cats, two outside cats, and then of course Rebecca and Garrett have been staying with us for <laughs> too long. No. Uh, <laughs> several months here and they brought uh, two cats and and their cats are inside cats one is Zeus one is Calypso and we used to a long time ago we used to have a rabbit now that a rabbit for a pet is really a, a worthless you know, thing to have but it was cute I would go out there and I'd watch his little nose twitching back and forth and and if you rubbed it between its ears, was the softest spot on the rabbit. It just, oh, it was so soft, and we'd watch him, you know. But one time, Teresa started, I'd come home, there was all these, these treats for this, this rabbit. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it looked edible. It was stuff that I thought, well, maybe I can eat that. And it was all these little <laughs> carrot-looking things and, and something with yogurt in it. And, and finally, I said, Teresa, the rabbit is eating better than we are. We, we've got to do something about this rabbit. But, you know, just recently I bought a, a, for our four dogs a, a bag of dog food that was $24 for one bag, a big bag of dog food, but $24. It takes a lot to feed your, your animals that you have. But I was looking on the, uh, the internet, some statistics here. Let's get serious here. This is a more serious sermon. Uh, America spends over $60 billion a year on pets. Uh, $21 billion a year for food. You know, when you live in the promised land, there's an illusion that everybody is sort of living like we do. You know, everybody has a three-car garage, everybody's got an SUV, everybody's got this, everybody's got that. You know, and it is an illusion. Maybe everybody's wasteful. That's, well, everybody is wasteful, I guess I should say that. I used to, a friend of mine, I used to hang out with as a teenager. He would always, he was notorious for doing it. He would buy a big old 16 ounce drink, drink two or three swallows, and then put the cap on, throw it away. He was always doing it. He never finished a drink. I never saw that guy finish a drink. But it was rather wasteful. You know, take a few swigs, throw it away. It's sort of the culture in which we live. You know, many people in the world don't even know where they're going to get their next meal. And they don't know where it's going to come from. There are thousands of children and adults die every day because they don't have enough to eat. They don't have clean water to drink. There are many people in the world that would gladly drink the water that we use to flush our waste down the toilet. There are many people in the world that would gladly drink, uh, eat the food that we throw away. And when I think about, okay, $60 billion a year on our pets, that could easily be taken and to eliminate all starving children in the world. The $60 billion that we're spending on our pets. You know, when animals come before starving children, something's wrong. I mean, something's wrong with that picture when, when you think about it. You know, someone, I mean, 
I don't know if that's something that we're going to be held accountable for on a judgment day, you know, like how many dead kids did it cost to have that bigger home? How many dead kids did it take to get that extra vehicle, that SUV? You know, maybe in the judgment, God will ask, will tell us exactly how many kids, you know, because we had to have all of these, these things. Now, I'm not knocking material blessings. I'm just saying when animals come before starving children, something's wrong when you spend $60 billion a year on pets. Now, the title of this sermon is The Sin of Abundance. The Sin of Abundance. Now, it's not that abundance is sin. It's how we handle our abundance can be downright sinful. Like $60 billion on pets when it could eliminate starving children. <clears throat> I, we used to go down to Charleston and we would visit, you know, Rebecca and Garrett and we'd go, uh, Garrett worked at Petco and, you know, you do pick up on that. I don't know if I want to call it <laughs> snobbery of their people obsessing on their pets. I'm thinking that pet is better groomed than I am. I mean, this is unreal. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you work hard, you get a little bit dirty, you get grease underneath your fingernails and maybe some body odor or whatever. But this dog over here, it doesn't have any of that stuff. I mean, it's, it's unreal. <clears throat> and I think people are so caught up in the abundance that it never even registers to them. Their, their abundance. It never, they, never, they never even make the connection. Maybe I could, should do something. Maybe I ought to be concerned outside of my little box in which I live in. Maybe I should. Now, I don't have a lot of compassion for as far as, maybe I should, but, but in America, when I see the guy holding his little sign, we'll work for food. I, I don't have a lot of compassion in that area because I realize America is still the promised land and that's not where you go to apply for a job on a busy street corner. At least it wasn't when I applied for a job many years ago. I went to the factory and filled out some papers, and, but I, I didn't get on a busy street corner looking for work or food or anything like that. So I, but when we look outside of America, there are less fortunate people that we need to consider. I was looking at some more statistics that most Americans donate between 3 to 5% of their income for charitable, you know, Whatever. Three to five percent. That's a little bit lacking. It's below the ten percent, by the way. But most Americans, three to five percent. I was looking at some more statistics on stingy politicians. Stingy politicians. And I don't know if I should mention the names here, but uh, many of them you would know right off the bat. And, and I'm talking about bringing in a lot of money who donate one in 2008 donated 1% to charitable organizations. Another one in 2006, 2 to 3%. My though was a couple. One, I think his wife is running for president. Uh, <laughs> who, who might that be? <laughs> one was a couple. Get, listen, I forget the year, but donated 10 point $2 million in, to charitable calls, 9.3%. That's almost up there with the 
most of which went to the Clinton Foundation. <laughs> you know, it's really cool when you can donate to yourself. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to do it. You know? <laughs> it doesn't hurt to be generous when you're giving it back to yourself. <laughs> now, the Bible goes through this list of cursings. Curse it shall you be when you go in. Curse it shall, if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, keep his commandments. It's, it's uh, Deuteronomy, where I want to end up at, is Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47. But before that, there's all these cursings. You know, God, if you don't hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, you don't keep his commandments, curse it shall be your children. Curse it will be, you know, your storehouse. Talking about your money. Curse it shall you be when you go in, when you go out. Curse it shall you be in the city. Curse it shall you be in the field. And it just goes on. And you're reading it and you're thinking, when is this going to stop, these cursings? The Lord shall make the rain of your land powder and dust. The Lord shall smite thee with madness, blindness, and astonishment of heart. Your sons, your daughters shall be given unto another people. The fruit of your land and your labor shall a nation which you know not eat up. The stranger that is within your gate shall get up above thee very high, and you shall come down very low. Oh, that's happening right now. Uh, he shall lend to thee, and you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. Then we get to this verse. After all these cursings, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47. Because you served not the Lord your God, with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Man, that's powerful. Because you didn't serve God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. The sin of abundance. Not that abundance is sin, but how we handle our abundance can be sinful. Abundance, point number one, does not necessarily create a generous, caring spirit. Now, you would think it would, you know, but it does not necessarily create, and we need to be aware of this, that abundance does not necessarily create a caring, generous spirit. We need to realize this. How do we know this? Well, because most Christians, most, most Americans, excuse me, donate 3 to 5% of their income. That's, that's one of the ways we know it. Now, there was, I forget it was, if it was, Sometimes we're impressed with this, and I guess we should be, but it was, I don't know if it was Bill Gates or that may not be the person. Very wealthy, very generous guy. I don't know if it's Bill, you know, it's somebody. <laughs> uh, donates millions of dollars for good causes. And, you know, that's a good thing. But let's notice something Jesus said. Matthew, Mark 12 and verse 41. Mark 12 and verse 41. In Mark 12 and verse 41, and it says, And Jesus set over against the treasury. Now, that's interesting. Why was he there? Sort of watching the treasury. He, he was at a specific place watching people as they donated money. And behold, how the people cast money into their treasure, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called his disciples and said unto them, 
Verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasure. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. You know, I guess for this woman, it was like giving up an arm or, arm or a leg, really, when you think about it. This was not an issue of abundance. This was an issue of out of her want, she was generous. Now, when you consider who was really generous in this situation, well, it was the woman who cast in of her want. If, you, if we have not learned to give when it hurts, I don't think we will ever learn to give at all. Uh, generosity begins here. When you don't have it. You really don't have it. You know, I, I need every dime I get to even make ends meet. If you haven't learned to give when it hurts, you will never learn to give in the future later on. So, point number one, abundance does not necessarily create a generous, caring heart, and we need to be aware of that. As the example that I gave earlier, $60 million on pets could be used to eliminate starving, or to feed starving children around the world. <clears throat> Number two, abundance does not really, really satisfy the soul. At least I don't think so. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10. Now we think it would. I think we think, oh no, no, this is really, this would satisfy me if I just had more abundance. But I think I have finally figured it out that no, that's not true. Um, that abundance does not necessarily satisfy the soul. He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. So it's, you know, it's, it's like that little, you know that song, I can't get no satisfaction? <laughs> the abundance is not where it's going to be. Now, I want to illustrate something that I've figured out after many, many years. It's not abundance that satisfies, but often it is the experience that brings us pleasure. Uh, uh, it hit me one day that, you know, it's not so much that I want to, let's take motorcycles, for example. I love motorcycles. And I recently sold my Harley, you know. That, that, that I used to. But it was not so much that I needed a $16,000 motorcycle. It was the experience that thing brought me. I mean, cruising down the road with the wind in your face, and as you go down the, you know, those dips and it gets real cool, and you know it's a creek down there flowing somewhere as you dip down. And then as you rise back up higher, you feel the warmth of the air. And you smell the pine thickets. And you smell certain flowers. It was the experience that I loved. I don't have to have a 16,000. I can rent a bike for a day and get that experience. You know, I can get a mini bike and get that experience. <laughs> but I think it's important for us to realize it's not so much that you want all these things. It is the experience they can bring. I, I love to fly, but I don't need an airplane. Uh, <laughs> I love to fly commercial. I, I've flown in little, well, me and Gerald went up in a powered parachute and all this crazy stuff. And uh, I t let me, did I tell you that story? I, yeah, yeah. He, he, he said, 
here, you fly the powered parachute. He gave me lessons, verbal lessons, lessons. And you have a headset where you're talking. He's talking to you as you're up there. And when I, I got up there, it's no problem getting up. Uh, <laughs> the headset quit working. And so, you know, when you're faced with either I land this or die, it's amazing how much you figure out real quick. <laughs> but it was, just, you know, it, they're very simple to fly, these, these things. Anyway, but I don't, you know, again, boating. I love boating. I love the mist and the water vapor, you know, the mist of water and the, and the scenery of boating. But it's the experience that we love often. So I think we just need to make that distinction because... <laughs> If I had enough money to buy all this stuff, guess what? I'd have to take care of it. And that's going to really wear me out. I'll have to take care of my airplane, my boat, my motorcycle, my whatever. Uh, so and I just begin to realize later on in life that if I wanted to do certain things that brought, brought me pleasurable experiences, you know, they have, you can fly and ride. You can, hey, that's two things. You can fly a plane out to somewhere and then ride a Harley back to your destiny. That's, now, I'm not saying it's cheap, but it's a lot cheaper than buying that stuff. <laughs> okay, um, Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 12, that's just right ahead. Uh, maybe I should have told you to stay, keep your place, but Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 12 says, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Why do you think that's so? The abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Well, because you've got a lot of responsibilities. You've got to take care of everything. You've got to think about it. You've got, you lie awake at night thinking. I've got people that depend on me. And it can wear you out. I can, my mind can start racing when I'm just doing a project. And I, I will build it in my head at night. I, I, I figured out one time. Never have a job that you absolutely love. Um, because I, I tried, to, I got into doing something that I love one time, building, I like to build things. And I was building gazebos. And I built those things 24-7. I built them at night in my mind. I would design new patterns and how I would cut each And I thought, this is, this is killing me. I'm wearing myself out. My mind's wearing myself out. Because I, was, I, was, I thought, well, maybe it's good not to do something that you love. Maybe just like. Maybe you should just like what you do. <laughs> That's a theory. I don't know. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> number three, abundance can actually create an ungrateful spirit. Now, let me explain this. I think I've used this before, so I'll just hurriedly go through it. But abundance can create an ungrateful spirit. The way it works is... a. Uh, you know the scripture where the Israelites, their, their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years? And I told the story about my car never wears out and my appliances never wear out. I got 30-year-old appliances. They will not break. But what happens often is instead of being grateful that God has provided this miracle, it's like, but I want something new. You know, it, it would be like taking the children of Israel to Walmart or Macy's and saying, look at these new sandals. <laughs> You're wearing those 40-year-old ones, you know. Yeah, they've lasted 40 years. That was a miracle, but I want something new. And it can create all the stuff that is out there. It just to consume, to buy, to get can create, an, abundance can create an ungrateful spirit. It really can. It really, really can. Uh, 
the availability of abundance, our ability to, to get abundance called credit cards or credit, um, often creates bad judgment. Creates bad judgment. I was thinking about this. If you buy a new car for $36,000, I'm, I'm convinced that's the dumbest thing you can do is buy a new vehicle. Because when you drive it off the parking lot, you couldn't turn around and sell that $35,000 car for $25,000. You ought to try it. Just go back and say, would you give me back my $36,000? They'll laugh at you. Uh, or run, in, run an ad in the paper. Brand new car, you just signed the dotted line, $35,000. It's depreciated once you drive it off that parking lot, $10,000. Now, when I sold that Harley, I had, I had close to $9,000 cash. I've never had that much money in my hand before. <laughs> it was bound up in those $1,000 you know, markers. And I, I held it, and I thought, that's a lot of money. But it would be like driving off that parking lot and taking that nine or $10,000 and just lighting a match to it. It's because it's depreciated in values. It's really not even a wise decision. I don't know what I would suggest buying new. You know, I mean, there are some things that might be worth it, but not a new vehicle because of the way they depreciate. It's, uh, but, but you see, that's bad judgment, is it not, to even do that? Even if you could afford it, it can be bad judgment. If, even if you had a pile of money. I could just pay cash for that. Well, it's, it's, it's depreciated 10000 once you drive off the parking lot. Okay, bad judgment. I think $60 million on pets while there are starving children around the world. That's bad judgment also. Okay, number four, abundance. I think there is a, a connection between abundance and sin. I'll try to make that connection. Luke 12 and verse 15 Luke 12 and verse 15. Or is there a connection between abundance and sin? Luke 12 and verse 15. Luke 12 and verse 15. It says, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And I think a lot of people think it does. You know, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, I think it was Ron Dart that mentioned this, the only thing they could carry out of Egypt, and Egypt was a type of sin for them, they could only carry out whatever they could carry on their backs. They didn't have a caravan of U-Haul trailers that consisted of all their junk coming out of Egypt. Whatever they could carry on their back was all that they, you know, I'm just saying, sometimes... Maybe we need to lighten our materialistic load. <laughs> you know, Rebecca and Gary, are, are, they're moving out to California. I'm amazed at what they're not carrying with them. I mean, <laughs> they're sort of like just starting new again. But uh, that's a good thing. Whatever you could carry, you know. But I, I think there is a connection. When, when our abundance causes us to be so self-centered, where we no longer care about others, where we are no longer generous because we are so self-absorbed. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And the most sinful thing about abundance is that we have a tendency to forget God. You know, the bottom line is this. As I look at America, because of this affluent lifestyle, a lot of people don't, they no longer need God. You know? We have become rich by my own hands. 
or by our own hands, people might say. We don't need him in school, God, that is. We don't need him in the courtroom, courthouse. We don't need him anywhere. It's not that God has disappeared, but I think our need for him as a nation has, you know, who, who needs, with all of this, who needs God? And I come back to this verse. Because you serve not the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. You, you would think, how hard is it to be just grateful for the abundance of all things? How hard is it to sit down in a meal and say, God, man, this is so great what I'm about to do. I'm, 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 I'm ready to eat. <laughs> this is going to be wonderful. And it's, it's simplistic. The sin of abundance. Not that abundance is sin, but how we handle abundance can be sinful. Now, the trend that I see our nation going. One, our abundance has led to lack of gratitude. Self-absorbed, not caring, unwillingness to share our wealth, stingy. You know, God wants us to be extravagant givers. Not just money, but our time, our gifts, you know, what we, our contrib you know, what we contribute to the world. He wants us to be extravagant givers. Number two, our abundance has led to entitlement thinking. I sometimes think, you know, I deserve this. I, you know, I, the government should give me this. The government should give me free college. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm entitled to all this stuff I see. I'm entitled to it. Third, our abundance can lead to laziness, where, we're, we, where we are willing to give up our freedom. We're no longer willing to govern ourselves. Now, I will say this. The opposite of abundance is scarcity. There's probably very few lazy people in time of scarcity. <laughs> that may be a, a good thing. <laughs> you know. uh, now, okay, how, I, I got this in the mail. I'm going to close up here. It's a, a calendar, Ways to Well-Being. And I thought, you know, what's the right way to use our abundance? Are we missing something? Because we can get caught up in the materialistic world and thinking, I need to buy this, I need to get this, I need a new car, my appliances are 30 years old, I, I want more toys, I want more things, I want to buy something. But what's the right way? How, how does, and are we missing something? Are we overlooking the simple things in life? And this, this calendar, to me, told me that, yeah, we, we really are overlooking the simple things in, in life. You know, a lot of things that are really bring us joy, they don't really cost a lot of money. Um, it says right here, it says, make being happy a New Year's goal. Schedule fun and relaxing time with family and friends. Find your passion in life every day, week, or month. Do something you enjoy and look forward to. Find happiness through love. Set aside time for your heck, from your hectic day to do things you love and are good at. Make concrete plans to spend time with people you love, such as your partner, family, or friends. Yeah, you know, your, your mate, your husband, your wife, you know, 
That's some of the, just, just being together. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Just being together is such a, a, a great blessing. Um, find happiness in nature, rain or shine. Focus on nature's beauty, peacefulness, and soothing sounds. Go on a nature hike with a family member, friend, or coworker. Do the work you love and work at loving what you do. Enjoy using your skills and talents on the job as well as during non-work hours. Take pride in your accomplishments. Learn from setbacks. Take a vacation and rest and relaxation. Now that takes a little bit of money, but still, that's important to take time to be together. Laugh out loud. Kids laugh 200 times a day. Adults laugh only 15 times a day. <laughs> Start counting the number of times you laugh a day. Set a goal to laugh more. That doesn't cost anything. Okay, look at the world through the wonder of a child's eye. When you wake up, see a new day full of exciting possibilities. Use your imagination to deal with mundane tasks at work and at home. Be free to be you. Care less about what other people think. Think positive. Practice positive thoughts every day. You become what you think. I've heard that before. Be happy through play. The benefit of play includes creativity, release of tension and relaxation. Plan activities, play time with your children outdoor. Play in the leaves. That's fun. Play in the leaves. <laughs> Be happy, the last one, through giving. A research study found that Americans who describe themselves as very happy volunteer on an average of 5.8 hours per month compared to just 0.6 hours for those who are unhappy. So the unhappy ones are all caught up in themselves, you might say. But I, I looked at these little simple things and I thought, you know, none of these things really cost a lot of money. And, you know, the abundance to, to really be grateful for the things that really, the simple things in life that really bring us joy, bring us happiness, and to praise God for the abundance of all things. So I want to read this, I'm going to close and I want to read this Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47 in a positive fashion. Serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things.